You know, I mentioned those birthdays and that unnamed sister. To my knowledge, she's only got one sister here. Uh, but I was thinking about that. Let me get my thoughts together. I was thinking about that. I had a son. I had a son who had a birthday yesterday. And he was 41 years old. I don't even think I was born when he was born. <laughs> How does that work? Anyway, it's great. We have a lot of August birthdays. It's a good time to have a celebrated birthday. Great time to be born just before school starts or about the time school starts. That's a great day. And remind yourself, school zones will be active here coming this week. So don't get yourself caught in one of those school zones and, uh, and uh, have to pay a, a whole lot of money out, uh, out of your pocket. I don't know what that's like, but I just want you to be aware of that. Forget about the kids running over the kids. That's another story. No, we want to be cautious. We want to be careful in all seriousness. It is a great time of the year when things are beginning. I'm looking forward to the Labor Day gathering. It'll be a lot of fun. I think there's some activities going to be out here. You can come early. We'll have a lot of fun, enjoy the time together, get to eat together, and it'll be a good occasion. I appreciate those who are putting it together. Let's think together for just a moment this morning. Because there's a great story in Acts chapter 8, and it was on my mind, and so I just throw it in there, and it comes under the category of why not now? Why not now? You know, that's the old invitation song, why not now? And it's a great reminder. But there's a story there in the 8th chapter of Acts in which Philip, Philip the deacon, Philip the servant, Philip the evangelist he's referred to, is sent by God. And in verse 35, In verse 35 of Acts chapter 8, we find Philip in the company of that Ethiopian. And Philip, it says, then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, the one where the man had been reading, preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now when they came out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. That may, be not, that may not be the first time you've read that story. It may not be the first time you've heard that story. It is a great story, and I only read a small section of it. It's in the midst of a lot of things that are happening. But when I think about this, it is, it is an interruption of life that we find happening here. And you know, when you think about your life, I think most of us look at it this way. It seems like it would be nice if everything would happen as you plan it, as you want it, as you're thinking about it, if it would just happen at the appropriate places at the appropriate times. But perhaps you've noticed that things don't always work out that way. In fact, quite often they just go in the totally different direction. I wish I could count the times that one of the children when they were babies, and I won't call them by name, there were only three of them, when one of the children when they were babies, when we were all dressed and ready to go somewhere and to do something and have a child, one of the children sitting on my lap, and you can guess the rest of it, dressed and ready to go, and then there would be one of those events. Enough said about that? 
just one of those events. You say, oh, man, so there is a disruption in life. Which, well, that's a pretty small thing when you think about it. Of course, there are the bigger disruptions of life. The things that catch us off guard occasionally, even the, the birth of a child, job changes, illnesses, deaths. There are a lot of life-altering things that come our way that we don't expect them, that just all of a sudden you hear about them, all of a sudden you recognize them, all of a sudden it's brought your way. There are things that just didn't fit into the spreadsheet. And you think, how in the world did I not see this coming? But, as we look at those disruptions, sometimes the disruptions of life are the greatest blessings we're going to find. How many couples have thought they were through adding their families only to have another child come along? And they think, oh no, what are we going to do? Another mouth to feed, another child. How are we going to take care of this business, another child? And then they find out that child is one of the greatest blessings. Not more than the other children, I want you to know, so I don't want that to go home or somebody to hear about that and say I said that one child was a greater blessing than another child. Just mark that one off. But you find out what a blessing blessing it brings to your life sometimes those disruptions those unplanned things those things that come our way bring about an opportunity of something that we just hadn't even considered or hadn't imagined was possible and then there it is if you want to go to the bible you can find some bible characters so I find those Bible characters who were busy with their lives and thought their lives were going in a certain direction only to be confronted by God. Here's Abraham. He's with his family. He's with his, his father's with others. He's got this family around there. And the Lord says, come on, I want you to go where I lead you. Or Moses had been 40 years a shepherd in the wilderness and his life had settled down and there he is. He's got a wife. He's got this family. He's got all these things going. And then he stops by a fire and the Lord says, I want you to do something. Or Gideon, who's hiding from the Midianites and harvesting his grain in private and quiet, trying to do it without notice. And the Lord sends an angel. The angel says, God's got something he wants you to do. I mean, we can go through it. And then there's Saul, who, who uh, was busy looking for animals, and, and the Lord has Samuel anoint him to be king. And then even when he, the time for his coronation if you will comes about he's hiding out doesn't want to necessarily be there but that disruption of life and then he becomes exactly what is needed for a short period of time he's exactly what is needed to bring a nation together and he gets to be king and so forth and there's another Saul you think about that Saul who was busy he thought doing God's will and then he's confronted by that great light and that message that says hey you're persecuting me and his life has changed I mean you can find them they're there the disruptions, the interruptions of life, those things that weren't planned, those things that weren't expected, and suddenly there they are. And here in this story of the Ethiopian, in the story of the Ethiopian, as he came in contact with Philip, it's a story of an interruption in his life. But it's also a story of the blessing of his life. And as we look at it, we see beyond the immediate change that we see brought into his life when he realizes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we don't know what he knew about that before that. We don't know what he had heard about Jesus before that. But with that encounter, with that encounter that is that determination that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and beyond that immediate change that is brought into his life, there is the blessing of his life that has affected you and me and so many others throughout the years. 
affected by what happened to him that day? How many preachers have stood up and preached on this exact story? How many times have we been shown the message of the gospel and the action of someone who believing repents and is baptized? How many times have we heard that? But I want you to think about a statement there. I want you to think about the statement of the song. I want you to think about what happens here because we realize in this, we realize in this, he's got a question. Why not now? Why not now? Consider that Ethiopian, that treasure, that eunuch. Consider, as he comes back home and they say, anything happened? He says, a funny thing happened while on the journey home. If I can borrow the phrase from secular things. A funny thing happened on the way home. A funny thing happened while on the journey home. Consider this Ethiopian treasure is on his way. He's on his way home from worshiping in Jerusalem. We don't know anything about his background. We can assume he was either a proselyte or a Jew that's been taken off and he's down in Ethiopia. But here he is, this man now in Ethiopia, on his way back from Jerusalem. He's been to Jerusalem to worship. We assume he's gone to the temple. We assume he's been a part of that. Whatever it was, he went to Jerusalem and there to worship and now he's on his way home. And this is not like getting up on Sunday morning and driving across town to come here for an assembly. How many miles a day would he cover? Maybe 20? If he really gets after him, he might get 30 miles a day down the road and the hundreds of miles that he travels from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. It takes a while. It's quite a journey. He was able to get a lot of reading done while he's on his way, I assume. But what kind of man must he have been? What kind of man must he have been to make that kind of journey, to make that kind of trip, to go to Jerusalem and there to worship? What kind of man must he have been? There is a devotion, there is a dedication that's in that man. And as he is traveling, what is he doing? He doesn't have his tablet out and he's not watching a movie. He wasn't watching a Hallmark movie on there while he went. No, he's reading. Now, you've got to realize There weren't local bookstores to just go pick up a book along the way. Here he's got probably a scroll. He's reading from that scroll. He's reading from the Old Testament prophet. He's reading from Isaiah. And like many of us today, as he's reading from that Old Testament prophet, he's looking at what he's got in front of him. He can read the words. He can understand the words. He knows what the words say, but he doesn't know what it means. He's struggling to understand the meaning behind what he's reading, and he's maybe contemplating that, thinking on that. He's reading that, and then he's confronted by a stranger. He doesn't know the man. The man doesn't know him. But the man walks up to him and says, what are you reading, and do you understand what you're reading? I thought about that sometimes. Philip the stranger had been sent to that place, and we understand the background of the story. He'd been sent. He'd been divinely sent to that place to meet that man on that way. He'd been, he'd been told by an angel. He'd been instructed by the Spirit, and he was to go and approach this man and see what was going on. So he walked up to the man and says, what are you reading? When was the last time you walked by somebody reading a book and you said, what is it you're reading? You may have tried to glance at the cover of the book. You may have just said, oh, I think he's reading this or that. I always check to see what the kids are reading, grandkids, that is, and what they're reading. And usually they're reading things I can't understand. But you look at it and you say, but you don't walk up to a total stranger and says, hey, what are you reading? Do you understand what you're reading? That's just something we don't do. But he did. He walked up to him. He walked up to him. 
And the man confessed he needed help. How can I? Except some man guide me. Remember Belshazzar? Remember Belshazzar in the time of Daniel? And the handwriting on the wall, many, many, tickles, you farshan. And he looks up and he sees his handwriting on the wall, but he, he can read the words, but he doesn't know what it says. He doesn't know the meaning of it. And nobody else seems to know the meaning of it until Daniel is brought in and Daniel gives him the interpretation and the understanding of it. Sometimes we just need a little help. But we're a little cautious about that today. You just don't do that. Somebody might want to shoot you or something like that. But what we realize is here is a man. He's a man with a purpose, a man on a mission, a man who's gone to worship and now a man who is going back home. He's a man of importance. He's a man of dignity. He's a man of understanding. But he doesn't understand this on this occasion. But we know he already had a connection with God. We know that because he had been there to worship. And we know he already had something of a determined faith. And after his encounter with Philip, after his encounter with Philip, I want you to notice this above all. He went on his way and he did it rejoicing. Because people, he asked himself the question, why not now? And he took care of business. For he says, here is water. Here's water. An opportunity was raising its head. They had been going along. Philip had been preaching to him about Jesus or sharing him with, with him the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus must have included something about baptism. We know how valuable and how important it was in the ministry of Jesus. And we know his disciples had been baptizing. We know that John the Baptist had baptized. It wasn't something of which, which they were unfamiliar. They'd known about baptisms of one kind or another for a long time. But it must have included something about something about faith and baptism when he preached to him about Jesus. And it was without hesitation. It was, it seems, without hesitation. We don't know exactly how long they were together. We don't know exactly how long Philip had been talking to him. But without hesitation, when he saw that water, he looks to Philip and he says, what's going to keep me from being baptized? What would hinder me from being baptized? Again, in Old Testament story, there is that man, Naaman, who had leprosy, makes his way ultimately to Elisha, who sends out word through his servant to say, if you go dip in the Jordan River sometimes, then you'll be cleansed of your leprosy, and Naaman goes away. I'd rather dip in the rivers at home. They're a lot better than the old Jordan River down here. The man didn't come out. He didn't do what I thought he was going to do. He didn't wave his hand over the spot or anything like that. He didn't have some incantation. He didn't have some voodoo or anything like that. He just came out. He just sent a servant out and says, go dip in the Jordan River. I don't want to do it. But listen. Listen, because there were some in his company. There were some servants among them. There were those who said, if he'd asked you to do something great, wouldn't you have done it? And when he realized, when he realized when he realized how accurate that statement was, we know exactly what he did. And he got rid of his leprosy. And as the Ethiopian saw that water, it was just an opportunity, and it was the knowledge he had gained, fueling a positive desire in him to get this done. Now we have no, no scriptural referential knowledge of who else might have been there? Did he have drivers? Did he have a company with him? Were there other people traveling with him on this long journey? Was he alone in his chariot by himself? 
We don't know exactly for sure. We can guess and we can make surmises. We can look at his words and we can think there are probably others, probably a driver with him, probably others along the way who were with him. I don't know. So we have no knowledge of who else might have been there, but consider. Consider if there were, if there was a driver, if there were others, if there were people in his company with him, if there were others that were traveling with him. Think of what this said to them. Think of the way his response to what God gives them affected the others who were around them. Because a decision was made, and this is a powerful lesson for them. Because people, we typically have our own processes through which we make our decisions. Maybe we say, I need to go, go home and sleep on it for a while. I need to think about it a while. I need to go check my bank account. I need to go home and talk to Dad about it for a bit before I do that. We may have our processes through which we make our decisions in life, and I think all of us have something that we do. But there comes a time to make a decision. One more Old Testament story. Deborah was the judge people were coming to her and the Lord basically instructs her and says you better get to Barak and tell him he's got to get busy dealing with those Canaanites and Deborah goes to Barak and she says in Judges 4 verse 6 7 and 8 hasn't the Lord told you to go and take care of this business hasn't the Lord said this in other words it's time to make a decision you're either going to fish or cut bait. You're going you're to get after it or you're going to run away. What are you going to do? There comes a time to make decisions in life. Not just one, but many. There comes a time to make the decisions in life and to get after it and determine exactly what you're going to do. I've got to tell you, I believe that every one of us needs to make an absolute decision in our lives. Who or what are we going to be? Not just what job are we going to have in our lives, where are we going to go to school to study or where are we going to live? But what kind of person are we going to be? A decision needs to be made in our lives. What kind of person am I going to be? Make that decision and determine what kind of person you're going to be and then live it. That's the point. Because decisions, large or small, should be brought down to the simplest terms. Joshua said, choose this day whom you'll serve. Don't go home and try to make a decision. Choose right now who you're going to serve. And if we look at the story, we have to recognize when the time is there, when it's right, it's right. When it's right, it's right. Moonlight or not, when it's right, it's right. The song says the wind blew some luck in my direction. It's more than just luck, my friends. It's God's opportunity. It is providence. For the potent question that stands out throughout the story is this man's decision and the question that is there, what hinders me from being baptized? Most translations, most versions include the brief conversation with Philip. If you believe with you may, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Yes, that conversation is included in many of the translations and sometimes in the footnote in there and you can get into translations and how they work and why it's there but the potent question is still there 
But the only thing that would stand in this man's way of doing what God wants him to do, the only thing that stands in the way of any person doing what God wants them to do, the only thing that ever stands in the way of you or me doing in our lives, those things that we know we need to and should do, is our own willingness of faith. So take it beyond the baptistry. For this is not just about one man deciding to be baptized. This is not just a call to get people down the aisle and get them into the baptistry. It's far more than that. For once the decision is made, it is made. First time I went to a car lot to buy a car. First time. Went into a car lot and, and talked with a car salesman. I was alone. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't know how to deal with it. But I went in and I looked and I picked out what I wanted and suddenly I started going through all the venue and this car salesman was doing everything he could, of course, of course, rightly so, to get the last dollar he could out of me in every way he knew how. That's his job. I don't begrudge him that. And after a while, and after I'd been there a couple of hours, and I knew what I wanted, but he wasn't quite letting go with what I wanted to pay for the car, I finally said, well, I've got to go. He said, please don't go. I said, no, I've got to go. And you know why he didn't want me to go? Because if I went, he knew there was a pretty good chance I wasn't coming back. He did have my phone number or my folks' phone number, and as soon as I got to the house, the phone was ringing, and he called me back, uh, and it went on. That was the first time, but I realized a little better how it works. He did not want me to leave without a commitment. Why not now? Because it begins with faith. It takes us into the water and out, but then what? What about your decisions then? I think we can apply the story and we can learn from this story more than just the decision to obey the gospel and be baptized into Christ. There's more than that at play. When we say, why not now? It's not just about somebody being baptized into Christ. It is about follow the story, beginning where you are. It is where that man was. It was what he was and what he needed to know and it was given to him. It's about looking to the scriptures and understanding what the scriptures had to say because that's exactly where they were. And it says, Philip began at that scripture and preached to him, Jesus. It's about seeking understanding when he said, how can I accept some man guide me? And that Philip gives him an insight into the scriptures and he begins to grasp things that he had not yet understood and he began to grow. It is about doing what is taught on that occasion. He needed to be baptized into Christ and that's exactly what he did. And sometimes it's other things that we need to be and do in our lives that we have not yet committed ourselves to doing. It is doing what is taught and then it is about rejoicing as we move on the way. That's it. That's the story. Why not all that now? That's what the old invitation song poses in the question. Why not now? Let me offer you this thought in closing. How many decisions, your life, my life, and the lives around us, how many decisions in life have been postponed only to later find that the opportunity is past and no longer available. Don't pass the opportunities that come your way. Don't lose sight of the blessings that are set before us. The 
question is still there. What hinders me? Same question. Why not make a decision now to be and to do what you know you need to do? We're going to sing that song of encouragement this morning. If there's someone who needs to respond, this opportunity is yours. But let it be one that encourages and invites every one of us to look into our own lives, to be insightful in our own lives, and from there to begin to do even more what we know we need to be and do. Someone needs to respond this morning. Please let the opportunity be yours. And if you need to be baptized, we'd be glad to share that moment with you. If there's another need you have, let us put that Uh, Let us put that at rest and pray with you and exhort you and help you along the way. If you need to come this morning, why don't you do so while we stand and sing together.